Welcome to the third episode of the Mundane Show. I'm Suchi and I'll be your host for today. Cases keep increasing in Malaysia and I hope you are doing fine indoors. So today's topic will be interesting because we are going to discuss a few pointers about fashion in general and her own work. So Joe, would you like to introduce yourself? Um, hello everyone. Uh, my name is Joe Cheng. Um, so uh, I'm currently a fashion graduate from Kingston University London, and I have an Instagram page called jo- at Joe Cheng Studio, which um, I've produced a six look collection, and I'm currently um, on my way to hopefully become a fashion designer in the future. Um, and be a part of the vibrant fashion industry. Right. Hi, yeah. Joe. So <laughs> thanks for, so much for being um, here today. So you are like probably like the first fashion uh, des- designer or graduate that I ever talked to in my life so far. <laughs> in your life? Yeah. <laughs> I mean like someone that is like close and you know I can like interview with. Yeah. Yeah. So before we start, I guess that there's, sorry. Um, yeah. It's okay. You can continue. Oh, I guess there's not a lot of fashion students um or fashion people in Malaysia in general because the industry is quite small there. Yeah. I think. Yeah, it is. So um, before we start, I want to learn about your decision of becoming a designer and what does designer mean to you and why was this a mite that you chose. Okay. Oh, that is that is a very good question. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah. Um, I think choosing to be a fashion, like, I think choosing to be in um the art industry in general for Asians is quite difficult coming from Malaysia because like we have this general conventional perception of like what kind of careers we should pursue and most often it's usually like very academic careers um and not very art-based because it's not as stable um Mm. but my my family has been really supportive I would say um from when I first told them like they 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 came around and they've been supporting me but um initially when I was like trying to choose something to study um I I think I leaned towards like fashion because like then I was trying to like deconstruct my mind and think like what do I really want to do in this life and it it sounds very deep but like it's fashion is not that deep but like you know when you're (laughs) like pondering your life choices and like you're just thinking like oh what 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 is my mind always going towards like um in in your general day-to-day life and I just thought like I just thought to myself like um I I noticed that I always look at people's garments um it doesn't matter if they're well dressed or not it's just like any type of garment and I look at the finishing to look at the details and I in my mind I kind of think about like how the garment will be made and then I, I like even even before going to fashion I would like um uh, kind of have this like knowledge of like fabrics and like good quality fabrics like um synthetic um natural 
I think I did. I don't really remember before going into fashion. Now it's just like seems so natural that I did. But <laughs> um, yeah, so like because I I felt like I always um, thought about the garments and like what people wore. I thought it just seems very natural for me to go into fashion and not any other um, art degree. It was just like, I think it was always like fashion for me. Well, fashion or architecture actually because my, my dad is in construction. So um, yeah, and then um, at the end I chose fashion. Right. I'm I'm like very curious about your accent though. Like did you get it from um <laughs> like studying there for a very long time in Kingston? Or um <laughs> it's quite smooth <laughs> and like it's like not Malaysian at all, you know. Um I I can I can do a Malaysian accent as well, or I would like to believe I can. But <laughs> um my friends always say I sound very British, but I try and tone it down, but like I think it's because I've been here for like um four four years now since foundation um so it's just like I've picked up a bit of their accent along the way but like it's it's weird because when I talk to British people they don't they always say I have an American accent um what? I don't sound very British yeah <laughs> and they always ask me like are you are you like American Chinese or something and I'm like uh no I'm Malaysian even Malaysian sometimes telling me that but like I, um, I don't know I think it's just a very mixed like you know, growing up like American TV and then like a bit of like um, Malaysian and then coming here like British a bit. So it's just like very weird, very mixed. Right. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I know like Kingston is one of like the best fashion schools in UK. So I'm curious, what is it like in Kingston? Because comparing Asia, the approach to design is really different. So can you tell us oh. more about your life in Kingston? Like the sort of design and teaching approach they do? Oh yeah, um, it is very different because um, I, I did, after the foundation, I did like a kind of like a summer school in Malaysia doing like a pattern cutting course. And I realized that um, the students in Malaysia, um, it's more make focused. So they focus on like, uh, parent cutting, tailoring, making instead of the actual designing. Whereas in Kingston, we don't actually focus that much on making. Um, I think uh, we lack on making skills actually compared to Malaysians. But then we focus a lot on like two D work, uh, designing portfolio, um, yeah, just sketchbook work and illustration skills. That's the biggest difference I see, and in Kingston. I would say it's very, very competitive because um, even the selection process to get into Kingston was quite difficult because I think like um, every year they have like uh, about around a thousand applicants or like more than a thousand and they only select like less than a hundred. So that's like about 10% or less that gets into Kingston um, through like a, an interview process. So the people that got into Kingston are like naturally competitive. That's why they're in Kingston. So when you get like a bunch of like competitive students in one class, um, uh, I wouldn't say it's chaos, but it's just like everyone just wants to outdo everyone. And um, it gets a bit stressful at times, but I guess that's what makes Kingston great. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but it's really, it's really fun though in Kingston like um 
because we have so many industry projects and like we keep on like we we in second year for example like we have um I think we have like six industry projects and it's like back-to-back three-week projects and we don't really get a break in between so then like it, it kind of becomes like um an automatic process to just like churn out 2D work after like work after work and now it's just like um a reflex almost that when you get a brief you know what to do like the process just comes so naturally and that's what Kingston is so good at I think right it kind of sounds like um architecture students to be honest like it's like kind of like a reflex once like you have like projects and then uh you know what what you're gonna do next you know kind of thing yeah that's that's what I like about art courses because like there's so much about like time management and project management that like actually every course has that but like um I think because you you have so much like physical work to do for art students that like you eventually learn how to manage your time better yeah totally agree and I hope I can relate (laughs) to but I guess like school really kind of like force you to find your voice and your signature in um three years time so I'm yeah. interested in who and what are your inspirations for creating your designs? Like, do you have like a philosophy behind your work? Can you take us through what's in your head? Um, I guess like um, more so this year that I've really dwelled into like my design aesthetic and identity that I, I feel like I'm really interested in deconstructing objects now. Like uh, the recent collection I did was about deconstructing a baby carrier. And um, I, I remember going to the thrift shop with my friends and looking at the baby carriers and uh, the prams. And my friends were like, let's go, Joe. You don't need to look at this. You're not having a child. Um, <laughs> or like, are you having baby fever, Joe? And then I was like, the fuck? um but I just I just stayed because like uh I was so fascinated by the construction of it and the silhouette and the shape of the baby carrier that I eventually like bought it and deconstructed it and I feel like moving forward that's just my thing now like if I see something that I think is like interesting in the make or like I can't figure out how it's made I would just like deconstruct it and then with the pattern pieces and with the shapes then I move on to like creating garments so like you know how like some designers they start with having a muse and then they research the muse and everything I think my approach is slightly different because I don't start with people I start with objects and then I move backwards um into figuring out who would wear this and how we'll make it wearable uh yeah that's kind of my process at the moment and um for my collection um uh Ligia Clark really inspired me a lot because I remember seeing her work at Tate Modern and I just thought like it was just like this really really small sculpture um and no one even thought anything about it but then when I went home and researched more about it I found it so fascinating how like she made soft sculptural objects look so fluid um, right. And I tried making it myself as well with rubber. Um, if I didn't eventually use rubber, but rubber was a part of my process. Um, but yeah, and I, I, I think in my process as well, I tried to like imitate the soft 
sculptural pieces by relating that with the baby carrier, um, the foam paddings in it, because um, a lot of the silhouettes I got resembled her rubber sculptures. Um, and then I translated that onto the garments by having padded pieces in the lining. Um, when you see at the when you look at the garments, you don't really see the padding, but when you wear it, you can actually feel where bits and bobs were padded. And like um, that would be like kind of like a sculptural um, closing to the garments, the rings, and that would be padded. And I think it just really reflected the whole process, even though at the end, it had to be like really refined um, process through process. Um, you can still see like the original baby carrier pieces. Wow. Yeah. Like a baby carrier, like no one would think about that, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to be like so specific on, well, when you go into like the technical details of like, what what is going on <laughs> yeah I feel like I just went down a rabbit hole there <laughs> it's okay it's okay so um from my point of view as a business student having ideas to write an essay is like difficult let alone putting out designs every week or month so have you ever experienced a creative burnout sort of if so what do you do to help to bring the creativity back to life mm. Um, I think I really experienced a creative burnout this year because we've just been like, so um, in the UK, we've been, I think during the collection, we've been through like three lockdowns and um, I was just constantly in my room and it's, it's not a big room. It's like a 30 square meters, uh, 30 square feet room Ooh. Um, with my sewing machine and my equipment. And when I pattern cut, I just use the floor and everything. It would be like, you know, the game, like uh, the floor is lava or something. My parent pieces would be all over the floor and there would be nowhere to step on. And I think um, during that time, it just got a bit much. And um, eventually I got to a burnout. But um, I think having deadlines really helps. Like, even though I was in a burnout, the thought of having to submit something for my upcoming deadlines just kept me going. And I think like, this is really bad, but I think Red Bull kind of helps. Like if you keep your energy levels up, um, you can't really be in a creative burnout for long. Or even if you're in a creative burnout, like if you exercise or like just, I don't know, I feel like it's like one of the extremes, like because when you're in a burnout, it's already like an extreme situation. So you have to kind of like go to the extremes of like um, tiring yourself out by like uh, um, extremely exercising or boosting your energy levels up by extremely um, caffeinating yourself, which is really bad. Either way, it's very bad. But I feel it like is. that would kind of help. Like, it helps me kind of but I, I don't recommend it that sounds really really tiring <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay. how do you manage do to yeah I mean like how do you manage to like uh stay stay fit or stay healthy in you know in such a stressful mm -hmm. moments um, I don't think I was really healthy when I was seeing my final collection. Like, that's the truth. Um, but looking back at it, if 
I were to do it again, um, I think there would be a few lifestyle habits I would have to change. Like, um, so not staying up that late or not having as much Red Bull or um, just exercising more regularly. But I think it's it's quite difficult because like for a lot of students, your final collection is like your baby. And you kind of want to like, you, you only have these few months to churn out the best work you possibly can. So um, I don't know, my, my mindset was quite toxic at the, at the time because I was just like, <laughs> fuck everything. Like, oh, I don't care about anything anymore. I just need to do this. Um, and so I did, but um, it wasn't very healthy. <laughs> right, right. Uh, that sounds exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah a bit not thinking about it like um yeah I had to like sleep for three days after the collection was submitted oh um, no but I guess like it, I, I don't I don't know I don't know like what I should say to like prospective students because like it's not really recommended but like a lot of students do do it because it's like your final thing it's like business students as well like your final essay you would stay yeah. up all night just to finish that because yeah, your final exactly. thing it's like inevitable. Yeah. Do you do you think there's like a way around this? I don't think so, right? Uh, I think uh, obviously there is, but um, poor management skills is not one of them. <laughs> um, yeah, I think if you manage your time better, I but like it's easier said than done. Like if you're yeah. in that situation, it's like every decision matters or like every action like if you waste half an hour in the morning then you have to make it up half an hour at night and that's just how it is so it depends on like how disciplined you are I guess yeah but I I hardly knew like anyone is that disciplined in in their university lives you know yeah <laughs> yeah exactly yeah exactly <laughs> okay so like I heard like fashion design schools are as exhausting as architecture correct me if I'm wrong which you, I mentioned before. So if that's the case, what were the biggest benefits of your education and what are the things that you learn in fashion school that are most applicable in everyday life? Mm. Oh, can you elaborate a bit on that question? I don't oh. really know how to answer that. It's okay, it's okay. It's like, um, what do you think that what what have you learned so far in like fashion schools that you can like actually apply it to everyday life? Mm, okay. Um, let's see. <laughs> um, everyday life, like little things. Um, well, my my family always gives them uh, give give me like their old clothes and I would like mend them if there were like holes in them or stuff like fashion school doesn't really teach me that but like um I guess it's useful um I don't know I think like it's back to like the time management skills and project management right it's um, all back to the management skills right that's like yeah yeah and also like kind of like think in a different way because I feel like creators need to think in a different way because everything that happens um in daily life impacts creatives differently because you have to problem solve you have to think like if I'm wearing something 
um, and I'm having problems with it. So I don't put it in my designs or um, I'm walking on the streets and I, I look at the size and the fits of um, anyone, like let's say a middle-aged man, like um, uh, some clothes wouldn't fit them as well if they have a beer belly. So how do you design clothing better to reflect that? And how do you target such a niche age group so that they just don't go for the common goods and they find something that suits them specifically? I think fashion school really taught me to think in niche um, aspects, like um, just to observe daily life more closely, I guess. Right. Yeah. I mean, like, I think a lot of people right now, they are... Um, having their own small businesses and they are heading towards this niche direction yeah, yeah. Yes. right it's so okay. exciting yeah it is <laughs> kind of great <laughs> to see like um, cool and fun patterns I don't know I don't yes. know much about fashion so <laughs> I'm so sorry about that <laughs> um, well, you're wearing clothes so you should you must know something about fashion oh um, like, well fashion, I- yeah, I just feel like fashion is not that deep as well because it's just, at the end of the day, like, um, this is what my tutor used to love to say, which is like, don't stress yourself out too much because at the end of the day, it's just clothes. It's not like, it's not it's not computer science, it's just clothes. Right. But we that's... still stress ourselves out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's like actually a good advice though. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Exactly. Like, okay, so <laughs> moving on. Um, congrats on your final collection. It's it's on your um IG page. So go check yes. it out, guys. The collection is unbelievably stunning. Also, congrats so on the collection having been posted on the British uh British Fashion Council. That's such a big achievement. So looking through your portfolio, it's interesting how you've successfully taken real life events and turned them into a collection of their own. The face parallel in their emergency response and political influence really strikes me as it emphasizes the urgency of solving this issue around COVID, particularly in Malaysia. People want to know what's your idea behind this work and can you take us through the design process? I'm really, actually really curious about it. Okay, so from the collection's beginnings. Yep. Um, when the collection first started, I was actually in Malaysia. So most of my research was collected in Malaysia, um, including the baby carrier and deconstructing it. Um, at that time, I feel uh, at the time, Malaysia actually went through a, a few lockdowns and semi lockdowns. And I think like as a designer, I was personally in a place of like, um, it was, it, I, I wouldn't say like me personally, I feel like the environment kind of it was quite like pessimistic um, and nihilistic correct me if I'm wrong but Mm -hmm. that's just like what lockdowns do to people because you're just we're not supposed to be locked up and like just to have our freedom taken away from us because of this deadly virus I think um, it's preposterous Um, and the the um, the cases aren't even that deadly anymore but they're still having lockdowns, which is um, another problem on its own. But um, uh, yeah, coming from that place, um, so I just, I researched a lot about 
um, past incidents that happened, um, uh, starting from the Chernobyl power plant disaster, um, which caused a lot of problems for the people there because the radiation levels were so high that the people in Chernobyl had to evacuate. And um, the whole thing about like when it happened, the um, authorities, the local authorities in Chernobyl tried to cover it up. Like you can see how it was um, in the HBO series of Chernobyl. And I think that kind of relates to how when COVID happens, when when COVID happened, like um, authorities tried to cover it up as well, and that's why it um, it became such a widespread disease because they didn't get enough help. And um, I think um, drawing the similarities from that, um, I started looking at um, the bodies that were affected by radiation. Um, and that really, that reminded me of the baby carrier, um, which is what I saw in the thrift shop. And I just, when I saw the baby carrier, I didn't just see a baby carrier. Like I saw like this really mutated body um, because I was just looking at a lot of imagery from that at the time. And I was just thinking about how I would deconstruct this and sculpt it in a way, um, which is where Lucia Clark, the soft sculptural artist comes in and uh yeah step by step it led to the process right now i also found this torn t-shirt prop in a craft store in malaysia so the t-shirt prop is actually used for movies it's made from paper and you um it's easily torn apart like you literally just wear it and it rips off so i had my friend wear it and i didn't tear it or whatever like once he put it on it just ripped in places um not even the seams just like random places and I documented that process and tried to translate it onto the jersey pieces of my collection um and that's how the whole collection came in there were like hard padded uh, sculptural aspects that were inspired by the baby carrier and the soft jersey drapes that were inspired by the torn t-shirt prop um and yeah and when I once I moved forward the the contrast came in as well with um creating like the creating prints for the jersey drapes because how the drapes were they had shadows in them um and so I emphasized that by printing printing darker colors in the shadows and like bright tones in where the light would be um, and by engineering that when the models move uh, you can kind of see glimpses of color and the 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 whole contrast of the whole fit come in and yeah how, that's how the collection came together wow it's a, yeah a lot of different aspects mashed up together yeah it does sounds like a lot, lot of aspects, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really, right. had, I really put a lot on my plate this time. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> so I think um, you mentioned Laia Clark, right? A really radical pioneer of contemporary art. What about yeah. her work inspired you to creating this collection and art? there like any artists designers poets or 
architects who inspired you too? Oh, yes. Um, so apart from her, I also looked at the work of Kirsten, Kirsten Botch, which is a German contemporary artist. And I feel like looking at her work. So she has um, a lot of colors in her work, but it still looks very um, dystopian. Um, and that just reflected the whole mood of the collection. And that's where I started injecting colors into the collection because of my love for her work actually and also her partner Debo Elias um yeah they, they they're both doing similar work but it's all about like um making objects look I wouldn't say ugly but like um unconventional it would be like um the the unconventional beauty I would say um yeah and architecture wise i would say like a lot of like brutalism um buildings and um the bauhaus movement um but not so much about symmetry because i don't i find symmetry really boring i feel like a garment is really interesting and like like a designer's actually really done her work if um their work if um, if the garment looks different on the 360 view like in different angles and that was what I was trying to achieve with the collection if you look at the garments from different um, angles they actually look so different and um, most of the garments in this collection were asymmetrical um, yeah and that just comes from like me easily getting bored of things hey wow I, th I think, right, like you mentioned before of, of your collection, um, it sounds pretty dark. So like first yeah. thing comes to my mind, it's actually the word sorrow. And like yeah. the sorrow is like just not only for a person, but also for this like global sorrow, thereby yeah. like brought about the brutality in mankind. So I think that radiates heavily on asymmetrical style, like you mentioned before. So, mm -hmm. wow. For sure. Can you talk, talk about how this came about and where, what you've taken away and what you've learned from it? Uh, from the asymmetry? Yeah, yeah. Um, um, I don't know. I used to be really into symmetry. Like, most of my designs in the past used to be symmetrical. But with this collection, it's just like, I guess with the drapes, I was um, doing from the start they weren't really symmetrical to begin with and as I moved forward I realized that like because it's just a six look collection um, and I get bored of things so easily every design I came up with I was just like oh no I'm not satisfied with this and I wasn't satisfied with any of the designs but then when I actually combined it and figure it out how it would make how it would um um, combine, uh, be combined to look different in different angles. I was more satisfied with it because that with that came the complexity in the designs. Um, and yeah, which um, is the final garment right now, which I'm quite proud of because I'm not bored of it yet. Right. Cool, cool, cool. I wish I can, you know, not get, you know, easily bored as you, but... <laughs>
The other thing yeah. I want to spend some time on is thinking about fashion as business. And clearly, taking business from a creative point of view is a difficult challenge designers yeah. have to face. So it's a huge risk, actually. So I think I'm interested to know what's your plans on taking your brand uh, to the business side of things, uh, to the next level, if you would. Yes. Um, so I feel like now I'm not in a rush to start a brand um, or establish it in like production or manufacturing wise, because at the moment, I don't have the capabilities of producing um, this ready to wear collection, though I have been approached by um, a few showrooms that want to showcase it, but I don't feel like I'm personally at the um, place where I can fully, um, how would I put it? I, I don't think I'm in a place where I, I would do the brand a, um, justice at the moment because I don't have enough industry experience, I think, to um, start something well and keep it for seasons to come because I don't want it to be just one collection and then um, I wouldn't be able to sustain it. If I, if I actually kickstart the brand, I want it to be uh, more long lasting. So I think at the moment, it's not a good idea for me to fully kickstart the brand. So um, I uh, would just um, do it on the side and keep on producing garments to add it onto the collection or produce a capsule collection until I'm at the capacity to mass produce. Right, that's actually really mature of you to think like and you plan ahead rather than just like yeah. go straight right in like most people do. Yeah. Yeah. I just think like with how things are going on at the moment, the fashion industry is not in a good place right now. Like everyone's locked in. Don't no nobody needs garments. Um and so production has been slowing down and everything's just uh, the fashion industry is moving very slow right now and um, it doesn't need one more independent designer to go in and saturate the market. Um, and uh, that's why I think it's good for everyone at the moment to take it slow. Um, and perhaps when the industry is more stable and we have more experience, we can do better things. Right, right, right. So, uh, okay, this is... Uh, a question that is very popular among high schoolers and mm -hmm. as a fashion graduate yourself what advice would you give to high schoolers who wish to become a fashion designer it's like any warnings <laughs> um, I would say you need to have the tenacity for it because it's not for everyone and um, it, it requires a lot of grit um, and you need to be really tough because you probably won't get a job when you graduate and that's the hard truth the reality of it and if you're all right with being a starving artist or if perhaps your family situation allows it um, which is really tough to say <laughs> uh, <laughs> then go for it but don't fall into the trap of like uh, um, 
being a bit depressed because you can't find a job when you graduate because that's what you have to factor in when you make the decision in the beginning in the very beginning so at the end you have to take responsibility for that and if you think you can handle all of that then go for it and perhaps at the end of it you can say that you have um a job that is your passion which is not a job if you actually go through all of that and make it out alive (laughs) (laughs) right do you think that um actually like students they are like still studying in like fashion industries like when you are studying would you like do a side hustle or would you still like study all the way through and you know just you know graduate and then go out and find a job or like will you like side hustle at the same time as you study you know a lot of people do that these days so yeah. I was just wondering I, I think it's such a good idea to, to have a side hustle because you don't want to come out of uni and just have a degree and nothing else. If you have a side hustle, it might actually even make you more focused in uni, which is one of the regrets um, I, I have at the moment because I didn't mm-hmm. actually do any side hustle when I was in uni. I was just so focused with my assignments um, and I didn't have enough time for anything at the side. But if you if you think you can manage it, definitely go for it. Not even just one side hustle, have like multiple side hustles, like just do a ton of things and feel at it and learn a ton of things from it. Um, or even once you graduate, you can still have a side hustle um, and just just do, just go for a ton of things and don't think about like anything and then try to manage it and then you'll come out stronger. Right, good advice. <laughs> So before we finish, like I wanted to ask you a few questions about the fashion today. It's a really interesting moment in fashion because everyone seems to be questioning where we have ended up. There's so much products and there's so much fashion shows and there's so much waste. So what do you think about the fashion industry right now? Um, the fashion industry globally? Or, yeah, um, just globally. Okay. Um, I think like this past year, the industry has really taken a step back and had to like, well, I hope everyone have had to like evaluate um, our carbon footprint and how much, with fast fashion as well, how much waste we actually bring because consumers with the low price points, you just buy, 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 and you don't actually wear every single thing you buy. But then um, because it's so cheap that you don't, you don't think about it, you like, it actually influences your um, your reflex um, that you just don't think when you buy and you end up with so much waste because when you bought it it was so cheap so you just chuck it away when you don't have space and that is such a wasteful um, cycle and a product cycle to go go through with and fast fashion garments are not made to last all the synthetic fibers that pollute um, our oceans and I wish after this after this pandemic, um, more brands would actually think about how to make their garments last longer. Think about the longevity of garments and the consumers would actually spend more to buy quality garments instead of cheap garments. Um, But I don't actually think, that is a very hopeful way of putting it, but because I don't actually think the consumer might have um, the spending power um, 
to purchase more expensive clothing after this pandemic, after being like exhausted of their financial resources. Um, but we can um, do a better job at educating people that less is more. Um, and we need to buy more quality clothing in self-quantity. Right. Yeah. So it's it's actually really hard, like, even though myself, like, sometimes I see, like, garments that, that has, like, discounts on it, you know? It's, like, really hard yeah. to, like, ignore it, you know? You get exactly. what I mean? It just, like, goes right to your, like, you just grab it and you, if you go straight to the counter, you, it's like you don't think anymore when you see that cheap price. If, like, a garment is the price of a meal, you would just think, exactly. oh, I'll just keep a meal and you just get that garment. But I, I don't get it, though, like, I mean, like, what is it in the garment? Like, one piece of clothing that you would actually just, like, it's and it just it's just one addition to your closet. But, like, uh, why do t- people not think more about the purchase decisions? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't I know wish... if that's the right question to ask. That... <laughs> Well, I need to read more books then. Uh, so, um, because I know like Malaysia is a bit loose on the fashion industry side. So, um, yes. what would you suggest like Malaysia can improve in their fashion industry and you know their clothing? Any advice to that? Or how would you oh, like yes. do it? Yeah. I feel like Malaysians should buy local local producers more. So instead of buying um, foreign fast fashion brands, international brands, I think they should really tune in into their local designers like Bahati, um, Kit Wu, um, my friends at Ghost Boy, mm-hmm. uh, um, a- anyone really, anyone. Uh, I think especially how um, Malaysia is doing economically right now, it would be better to give money to local brands instead of turning money overseas to international brands. Um, and that's how you make Malaysian designers sustain and uh, continue to grow the Malaysian indus- fashion industry. Right. Yeah, so I guess like, this is all the questions that I'm going to ask you for today. So thank you, Joe, for um, once again in this podcast with me and discuss about all this, you know, questions that has been like evolving around like everyone's mind. So thanks for yes. cle- clearing that up. <laughs> and, <laughs> thank yeah, you so guys, much for having me. It's a pleasure. <laughs> so... <laughs> This is the end of the podcast, guys. Thanks for listening and see you in the next one. Bye. Bye.